the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I don't know. I, I I don't weigh in on this debate. You don't want me to. But Trump says we will, the social media platforms that attempt to silence conservative voices, we will strongly regulate or close. So not just Twitter today. And you remember how I started the show by telling you the NASDAQ big tech was lower? Facebook, Twitter, Google, and Snap are all considered social media platforms. And they all respond negatively when the president of the United States makes you an enemy. Speaking of an enemy, I like seeing enemies. <laughs> no, Tesla. Um, they're in the news day. They announced they're going to cut prices by 6% in North America to boost demand. Okay. On one hand, maybe more volume, volume, volume. Yeah, I started thinking about like, okay, they're getting people interested in their product during a time when people aren't really driving a lot. Great idea. 6% means analysts will go to their spreadsheets today and say, okay, let's think how many cars we think are going to be sold. Put that in column A. Put the price we expect in column B. The cost to manufacture that in column C. And you can see one of those line items will suddenly become less earnings, less cash. Something will trickle down there. So on one hand, demand. On the other hand, costs. It's a funny thing you have to balance when you're going after these companies. A lot of people think Tesla can move higher today because I believe there's going to be a space launch. So if you have your children and you're homeschooling them and you haven't gotten them to do anything kind of cool with you in a while, um, space launch today where we're actually sending astronauts into space again for the first time in quite a while. Let me scratch that because we've been sending astronauts into space. It's just kind of a U.S. program thing. Now I move forward. AMC Entertainment got an upgrade. And movies are supposed to start maybe mid-July. Is now the right time? Like, again, the airlines started to move when we went from 90% cuts in capacity to 75% cuts in capacity. It's up to you. I'm just here trying to give you ideas and investment thoughts. I'm Rob Black. You can find me at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I am not totally against change. I don't like it. Socially, it makes me very uncomfortable. If a business partner says to me like, oh, I'm going in a different direction, then I'm like, wait, 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 stop everything. Uh, so I don't really but I don't mind change. And right now we're seeing a lot of change in the way we are living our lives. And I think some of them are going to be wonderful. There's an app out there called Woodspoon. And it's one of those apps that came out of COVID where people just wanted a meal cooked for them. And what they did was they launched an app in beta testing, essentially last November. So New Yorkers tired of eating at restaurants could see what a, a great chef can do and, and package it and get it delivered to you. So it's a little bit different than having a Pizza Hut or Domino's deliver you know, a, a crap pizza deal. You're getting a legit chef cooking a meal for you. And um, 
usage is going through the roof. It's doing great. A lot of out of work chefs are, you know, using the app. And I love the idea where when you start thinking to your, your sugar booger on a Friday night, hey, what do you want tonight? Do you want to go to that? Do you want to go, go to a restaurant? Do you want a loud, noisy restaurant where we can't talk? Do you want to have it delivered? Or do you want to have a chef who might be Michelin star rated? He might be a celebrity chef from a TV show. He might be all that in a bucket of chicken. And there's kind of a thing that you can do with Zoom, and you can watch the food being cooked, and consumers pay a 15% service charge that goes to Woodspoon. I find that interesting. I, I I don't think that'll make my life – it could make my life way better because like, I'm kind of a bit of a foodie. Um, I say that, and it's wildly interesting because I also have a very uh, limited palate. But – for instance, if I can go with high quality, I'm going to shut up. So that, that app is called Wooden Spoon, and I, I like the idea. Uh, and now, in the same idea of having food cooked for us and delivered to us, Grubhub is in the news. Mayor Bill de Blasio has signed several bills that could temporarily eat into the profits of food ordering and delivery apps like Grubhub and Uber Eats, basically wanting to cap the delivery charges. 20% or 15% for delivery charges and 5% for any other such fees. Such apps have been criticized for charging as much as an extra 40% in some cases for orders that you know to help generate they help generate the leads for. Again, one of the reasons I don't ever invest in grocery stores is there used to be a real fine line of what we're willing to pay at a Safeway versus like a high-end grocery. If you've been on 101 or 280, excuse me, on uh, in, in the Bay Area near Palo Alto, there's an area called Woodside. A lot of rich people live there, and their grocery stores are crazy. You can get a $5,000 bottle of wine at a grocery store. <laughs> like, whoa. Um, pretty impressive, right? I know you're saying you're impressed by stupid stuff, Rob. But there's a fine line of what I'm willing to pay for pasta. There's a fine line. And maybe that's used to be. Um, Instacart, you know, if I like going to grocery stores, I don't want an Instacart doing, you know, someone shopping for me. Because I'd rather look at the ingredients. I'd rather touch them. I'd rather pick my own fruit and, and meat kind of thing, right? But it's interesting. So we have, one, an app where chefs are unemployed and they're using it to cook you a fresh meal. That's awesome. Then you get de Blasio saying, you know, 40% markup's too much. And it takes a government official for us to understand that. I don't know how I feel about that. I think if Grubhub wants to charge you 100%, they should be allowed to, and you should be allowed to say, screw off. But I digress because it is a pandemic kind of mindset, and people are probably going, well, you can't gouge people. Just can't do it. I hear you. So Amazon's buying a company called Zooks. Amazon's always fascinating. I knew they would buy someone in a market downturn. They have the cash. They have the share price. They could just issue more shares. They're a really powerful company because of that. Um, they're talking about buying a company called uh, – a driverless company, a driverless car company called Zooks. Um, and what's that mean? Does Amazon – will they save tens of billions of dollars a year? Will they put auto, parcel, and ride-hailing companies 
on their heels. Is this a, a shout out at Uber? Is this a shout out at Tesla? It's really tough to immediately say. A lot of the best places for self-driving vehicles are in warehouses and airports and coal mines and quarries and things like that, industrial uses per se, and not necessarily flying up and down the highway with drunk drivers that the computer may or may not understand, right? Um, so shipping costs is one of Amazon's largest expenses, and where they can, can save money, I think they're going to look into it, right? So shipping costs are one area where it's the expense for Amazon grows and grows and grows, and it's about $90 billion right now. In the, in the next couple of years, it'll be $90 billion. So am I surprised that Amazon is willing to search around for autonomous technology and a natural extension of their efforts to build out third-party logistics? Um, if you do any traveling in time of COVID, because there's not a lot of cars on the road, you'll see a lot more trucks. You'll just see them, right? Just because there's less things blocking your eyes. There's a lot of Amazon trucks out there. There's a lot of Walmart trucks out there. So, Zooks had an outsized ambition, and they want it to be relevant. But at a time where economies are tightening, tensing, freezing, Amazon says, let's just get in advance talks to buy them. We don't need to partner. We can just buy them. So that's out there. Keep in mind, and again, I know you won't remember this, but Amazon a couple months, a couple quarters ago, um, bought a self-driving startup called Aurora Innovation, and it's tied again towards some of the former heads of Google's driverless car project, Tesla's autopilot team, and uh, is it the is it the golden goose? Is it the, is it the golden arrow? Is it the golden or the silver bullet? I, I don't think so. But you got to see that they're they're building out their business to make it even more difficult to compete with. And there is something to be said for just the concept of getting in people's cars. When we started seeing Alexa-powered cars, it makes it that much easier, the voice for the entertainment center, it makes it that much easier for you to say, let's just use Alexa music. Let's just use, let's order some uh, something from Amazon on our way home. It's it's almost too convenient if you, you get, see what I'm going at. So I, I think it's a smart move by Amazon. And again, as an investor, I might say, I'm just going to invest in them instead of trying to beat them, instead of trying to say they're evil, and trying, instead of trying to make the, the whole story them. I don't know. I, I don't see a lot of competition. I, it seems like they're getting stronger at pushing people away from them. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Coming up, we're going to talk big picture market story concepts. How did we get here? Where do we go from here? What's next for the stock markets? You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And you can always find me at robblackshow.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Welcome back in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing more, dedicating my efforts to get you to retirement. One of the things I do is I start my day each and every day with page one from Patrick O'Hare at briefing.com. On the days that I'm going to talk to him, every Wednesdays at this time, I tend not to cheat and take a look at what he's been throwing out there. Let's talk to him right here, right now. How are you, Patrick O'Hare? 
Good morning, Rob. I'm doing well. Thank you. Good to be back. It's good to have you. It's um, I'm not going to say these are confusing markets. I feel like I'm getting richer, but I feel dirty about it because the markets are going higher and I don't understand it. Um, I like revenue. I like earnings. I like um, low unemployment. Those are my tenants I stand by. Um, what sort of feelings are you having about this this melting up, this this market recovery? Yeah, it's a, you know, it's a, a laugh because I think it's a kind of maybe an apt way to describe uh, looking at the market action these days because, you know, it's really, um, you know, if you're looking just at, at raw data, of course, there's no, you know, fundamental justification for seeing the, you know, returns we've seen necessarily. Um, however, uh, you have to take into account that the stock market is a forward-looking entity. So in its mind, it's making a fundamental case that things are going to be much improved, you know, six to nine months down the road. And that's what the market is trading off of. And, you know, it, it's being underpinned, of course, with the liquidity support provided by the Federal Reserve and, and trading on the, you know, the um, axiom that you don't fight the Fed. So uh, while many of us, you know, can sit there and scratch our heads wondering how the market can be doing so well uh, without a lack of any corroborating evidence yet, um, you know, you have this this fear, if you will, of, of missing out on this rally, and that's kind of pushing things along as well uh, as the market is also cognizant of how things unfolded after the financial crisis when the Fed wrote in with, with a lot of liquidity support. And, you know, and that's been supersized this time around. So I think it's kind of riding this notion that you'll see the same kind of, you know, extended bull market now with all of that um, liquidity support out there and, 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 and that support acting as a bridge uh, until we get to uh, truly better and good fundamental data, you know, six, nine, 12 months down the road. It's interesting even for me because I use briefing.com constantly throughout my day. And one of the headlines this morning was Delta saying there's, well, not, they're not saying their stocks have an outsized gain compared to the markets because it's gone from negative 90% bookings year over year to negative 75 And I just don't get it, Pat. And I, I, you don't have to be my therapist here. I'm like, how is that enough to justify the rally we've seen in the overall stock market, yeah. but it's, I don't know. It's not, Rob. I mean, okay. you're not alone in that assessment. I'm just, but, you know, the market will assign a, a kind of a relative value to everything, and, um, it, you know, and it can, you know, it can go up, you know, in a hurry uh, here when you get short covering, you know, that fear of missing out. Uh, there's obviously a lot of cash, you know, on the sidelines that can be deployed and is being deployed, apparently. Um you know, and, and it's just, it really is, I think, just really riding this Fed put for all it's worth and then some. And, uh, and I think, you know, one of the uh, more insightful things I've heard, I, you know, uh, Mike Santoli on CNBC, I think he's had a very good read in terms of just suggesting that as of right now, you know, the market has all this hope riding on a vaccine, riding on the, on the, the momentum of recovery, uh, knowing that you know, earnings prospects will improve as more state economies reopen and so on. Uh, but his, his idea is essentially that there's been no disproof yet to any of that. And so the market can kind of continue to fly in the face of all, you know, reason, if you will, uh, as it kind of waits for something to, to blow up, you know. So right now everything's kind of twinged with this element of good and hopeful outlooks. Uh, and uh, And it's, 
you know, and, and the trend is your friend in the stock market until it isn't. I hear that. And for the record, I like Mike Santoli enormously. Whenever he talks, I listen. He's got that kind of experience a lot like you do. Um, so I like, I like sticking around it, if you know what I'm saying. Some of the other headlines out there are really Trump-centric today, whether it's Trump going after social media, Trump talking about China. He talked about China and India. He talked about China being a bad trade partner. Um, and then the election's coming up. Um, <laughs> Should, do you put a lot of weight in the the value of the president to the long-term notion of investing? Um, I know short-term you have to. You have to kind of pay attention yeah. to who's getting elected on taxes and stuff. Uh, is there a long-term ascription to you? You know, I, I, don't, I don't think so. I mean, okay. it might be coming down to definitional semantics in terms of what we think of long-term, you know, and what short-term, sure. I mean, I mean, short-term in a presidential term is, you know, is four years, right? So um, that can be more longish-term, you know, in terms of investing. So, um, but you do raise a good point. I mean, the election and, and the outcome, I think, is, is certainly going to have an impact on this, on this market. Uh, and to whatever extent the market thinks uh, it might um, change or or maybe not change, you know, fiscal policy, uh, regulatory uh, initiatives, and and so on, um, you know, that will have an impact on the stock market. Of course, we don't know yet. We'll know first Tuesday in November for sure. Well, hopefully for sure. <laughs> um, but uh, but that's certainly looming out there. Yeah, that's looming out there on the horizon, and you can expect to hear, you know, China, 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 all the way up until you know that election day for sure. Sounds like we're similar on a same page, uh, Mr. O'Hare. What else are you working on? What else are you looking at? I noticed uh, some commentary about sector rotation going on, where big tech companies have had their run. Looking today at the Russell, you see that outperforming the big tech companies. The big losers on Wall Street last couple of months are getting outsized gains. Are we in a market that has done all that it's supposed to do, and now it's going to churn and, and trade around and find different areas of value per se? Yeah, well, we're at an important, you know, level of technical resistance at the 200-day moving average, which is right about 3,000 on the S&P 500. And I think you do have the potential for some churn here as you kind of get money rotating out of growth into the value stocks on this idea that, you know, the recovery phase will be better than feared, if not better than expected. Um, but what I'm you know, going to be working on is kind of what we've touched on a little bit here in our interview, Rob, is just, you know, you look at all these stocks that many have, have run up so much and you question, you know, how – how can that be? And I think you know you can make a relative argument for why stocks should have improved off those March lows. But now they've come so far, it makes you wonder. You know, really, you know, has all that good news from any recovery been priced in? And I'll cite real quickly. You know, look at Disney for for instance. Right? You know, it's going to reopen eventually. It's putting its reopening plan today. Probably going to reopen about twenty to thirty percent of its capacity. Yet its PE on a forward twelve month basis is at. 125% of its five-year historical average. And those two just don't line up. You know, granted, you're probably going to see some earnings estimates come up for Disney over the six, nine, and 12 months, but still looking pretty richly priced here, uh, knowing uh, how many people are unemployed and knowing that this economic recovery is probably not going to unfold as quickly as many people would hope. With that said, Mr. Harry, you do great work. You do detailed work. I love your work. Is there anything that you're working on right now that you can share with us uh, that you think is important? 
because my line of questioning is not always the right one. No, well, actually, yeah, I just offered up really, you know, what I am going to be working on for the big picture column um, this this week, which I'll publish on Friday. Is just kind of like taking a look at, so you know, where we are from a valuation perspective, and and okay. you know, kind of this notion that we've gone too far too fast. Good stuff. I'll read that uh, about one o'clock my time, I believe, Pacific time when it comes out. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing dot com. Always does a real nice job of presenting thought-provoking ideas on the market. Um, I do my best, but I rely on a lot of other experts in the world. If people want to talk about Uber Roth conversions, mega Roth conversions, I got Chad Burton. You want to talk market commentary and market details and upgrades and downgrades? Briefing does a real nice job. Walt Disney says always have to stop myself. Is that the right way of saying that? Walt Disney is presenting a reopening plan uh, for its Florida parks and for the Orange County Economic Recovery Task Force. So they're looking to get back opening, and they're trying to show what it's going to look like. Carnival, United, Wells Fargo, up 10, 11, 5%. Um, those are big numbers on a day when we're not getting that kind of we're, like I'm seeing some rotation. NASDAQ's down 1.5%. Russell's up almost 1%. This is one of those odd days to try to explain to people. It's like it could be an up day on the market, but if you own Apple or Microsoft, you might be having a down day because they're down half a percent. Um, Zynga's down 4%. Anytime I see something like that, you know, Zynga, who is a kind of a play. On COVID, um, a friend of mine, he let his six-year-old kid play Farmville or something like where he has a virtual cow. I'm like, don't do it. Don't do it. Giving your phone to your kid's not a babysitter. You're going to regret it. And uh, after about a month, he regrets it. Farmville and Zynga. 800-516-1220 calls on the air. You know, one thing that I am hearing a lot about these days, anecdotally, is people trying to be day traders. They're stuck at home. The COVID pandemic has them uh, getting their stimulus checks, which, man, I always hate just the concept of getting a stimulus check and saying, oh, look what's on TV, horse racing this weekend. And there's apps you can bet on it. Or I can go to a casino. Like I hate giving people money in a broad swath because I always think about this. And one of the things we're seeing is a lot of people are trading stocks now. It's not going to end well for you, but it is interesting that that's what brings it out of you. You can find me online at newfocusfinancial.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Back in the 6th century, I am Rob Black, by the way. 6th century B.C., long time ago, Persian soldiers serving under Darius the Great were served flatbreads with cheese and dates on top of their battle shields. Pizza's pretty dang old. We saw it in ancient Greece, um, pretty similar, a flatbread that had cheese, onion, and garlic and herbs on it. Modern pizza, I know you're saying, can we pass over the Roman soldiers and, and move on? Um, probably more of a Mediterranean kind of thing. I throw this in there in large part because Papa John's just had a great quarter. And I wanted to tell you that the 
population in the world loves pizza. I know you're saying you're not exactly selling this, Rob. Um, you can eat pizza anytime. Breakfast, lunch, dinner. Late night, early morning. On a beach. You get the idea, right? During COVID, you could eat a lot of pizza. And Americans love their pizza. Domino's pizza, ticker symbol DPZ. And Papa John's pizza, ticker symbol PZA. Both came out with their quarterly updates. And it's unbelievable. Domino's saw a material increase in same-store sales, up 20.9%. Papa John said it saw its same-store sales up 22%. In some areas, North American franchise restaurants saw a 28.4% increase. Now, that's probably not too shocking to you. We're in a pandemic. People feel a pizza goes in the oven. It gets pulled out by a big metal flat thing. It gets put in a cardboard box. No one touches it. It gets cut. It gets boxed up. It gets put on. Hopefully, they put a sticker on the box. The driver can't open it and eat off your toppings. I know you're saying, is that what you think about? That's what I think about. Um, so a pandemic stock, Domino's, as well as Papa John's. I throw that out there again. It's not a surprise. It shouldn't be a surprise, right? Is that fair of me to say? Um, now some other restaurant stocks can kind of come along for the ride here. I don't know if you're picking up what I'm putting down, but Chipotle, CMG, Domino's Pizza, DPZ, uh, Papa John's, PZZA, Buffalo Wild Wings. I know you're saying Wild Wings. Isn't that a bar? And isn't that kind of sports? Well, how about Wingstop? You can go that direction. Starbucks. Um, there's something called ticker symbols QSR. It's it's made up of a lot of restaurants, um, and QSR stands for quick service restaurant. So you're thinking like fast food, like the McDonald's Burger King kind of thing. Of course you got McDonald's. So the question is, do you put money in the obvious? And if I had that answer for you, I, I, I don't know. Mitch McConnell saying that the Senate's going to discuss next COVID-19 relief bill in June. So I look at the calendar. I see it's late May. Got to pay some bills. June's right around the corner. Stock market's rallying. I feel good. My confidence is up. I kind of wish it was easier to book a trip to Hawaii or some exotic location. Sometimes I want to say the words exotic erotic together. I'm like, no, 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 no. I should just say the word exotic location. Semantics when you're on radio do count. Hey, AT&T launched HBO Max. Does anyone care? I don't know yet. I'll wait to see the numbers come out. They got classic TV shows like Friends and The Office. Um, that should be a, product, a successful product for them. Will it be Netflix? Will it be Disney Plus? We'll find out very, very shortly. Um, I don't know if there's much of a demand, as much of a demand for Friends in The Office and Game of Thrones and uh, Sex in the City and The Sopranos. Rewatching The Sopranos? What did we like about that show? I know, I know I'm upsetting a lot of people, but um, I guess it pushed boundaries and we liked that. But now you look at those boundaries and it's like a CBS eight o'clock show on a Friday night. I don't know. 
I know you're saying, just talk stocks, Rob. Just talk stocks. TikTok parent ByteDance reported $3 billion in profit last year on revenue of $17 billion, up 150% year over year. Short-form video app. You know what's interesting about that is U.S. and China's got some issues. 